Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. It's only an eight. Do you have any modifiers? (laughs) God, I hope so. But we are so early level at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, well, well I mean, you can't win them all. That's true. Also, you know, I did spend like a month and a half in an, in a portal in another realm. <laughs> so this is me just kind of getting back into my group. Yeah. It makes sense. This is just the test dungeon. It's fine. Right. Thank God. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, w- welcome. Welcome back Thank to the podcast. Thank you so much. Um, where's, where's my sister? Yeah, I guess this is some kind of like conservation of energy <laughs> thing that, that Nell is now not here. Uh, Never Nell is, shall Nell is out in the meet. field um, training She's in, field in another up. castle. She... <laughs> <laughs> she, is, she is out in California at the moment um, and cannot be here. So it's just us. All right. But we're going to we're going to kill it cuz I got an 8. And it's going to be awesome. <laughs> we're going to be optimistic about that 8. I love it. All right. So, shall we start with these sweet dreams that our sweet boys are apparently having in their sweet dorm <laughs> with a sweet crab wrapped yes. up in a sweet cat like, oh my gosh, I was just so charmed by this whole beginning until <laughs> We start talking about moldy mealy bread. I was like, God, yeah, damn it, yeah. It's this. It's very, uh, very idyllic, I suppose. That the 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 spectral crab and the slightly less spectral cat are <laughs> curled up together, Aww. and everybody's asleep and dreaming. I guess they've gotten over their initial struggles of falling asleep in this strange dorm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have to talk about what people's dreams are, and Clint goes straight to bread with the first dead stop of Clearly. the episode. <laughs> I do, again, always, always with Clint in the brain. Why? Yeah, I never know what direction. he's. He, he always yeah. uh, zags when I think he's going to zig. Fair. He is going to zag on him. I do think it is a justified, like, his justification does make sense. So, like, you've got a guy who's a sailor who's on a boat. The idea of your food stores becoming contaminated mm-hmm. Is oh, yeah. definitely a really terrifying one. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, that's got to be scarier than the possibility of, I don't know, getting lost or uh, a storm or, you know, because I mean, all of those things, there there are solutions. Mm-hmm. The only solution to our food is contaminated is, well, cannibalism, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it, eat it anyway and hope you yeah. don't really yeah. die from it. Yeah. Just some but mild it's going to go bad. Upset. Yeah. Yeah, and I can imagine the the idea of having to eat food that you knew was contaminated and gross. Like that mm-hmm. that does seem like something that would kind of mess you up and and mess up your food habits. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't quite know how he got there, <laughs> but it does make sense that he did. Yeah, Clint going for the deep dive. Good work. And then yeah. we have Fitzroy who's in a half trance, which <laughs> is amazing and gives us a description of what I would Yes, and I I have never done them, so I'm not sure. But like, what it might be like to be on mushrooms and on like <laughs> almost a bad trip, maybe not a bad one, but just kind of like yeah. you see what's in front of you, but then also like it's galaxy brain it's behind it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I think uh, I have also not done done shrooms. Um, we're not recommending or condoning <laughs> the use of shrooms in this podcast, but no. but I do know some people who have, and I would say based on the description of their experiences with it, that would be similar, maybe maybe even a little less ominous um, than mm-hmm. than it can be. But but it does also work really effectively as a parallel for um, for Fitzroy's experience with his magic that that he had this life that he understood and that was the things that were in front of him and he oh, knew yeah. what those things were. Mm-hmm. But then beyond that and outside of that, he's now sort of trapped by this this chaos that he doesn't understand but that he also can't get away from. So having that kind of uh, slip into his subconscious makes a lot of a lot of sense as something uh-huh. that's not necessarily a nightmare but is still frightening and not, not normal. Right. No, I love that. I never thought of it in that way. Like, I knew that the weirdy part of it had manifested when his magic had. Yeah. But yeah, that idea of it, it really is the combining of the two worlds. Whew. Yeah. Good. Good it, it is. It is a. It was a smart thought that Griffin may have had 
just subconsciously um, the idea of the dreams not starting until the magic started. Mm-hmm. That there's some awakening of something deeper in yourself that you were either afraid to see or didn't see before mm-hmm. or wasn't there. Very good. And then we have our, our beautiful Furbolg. Mm-hmm. Sleeping on the ground like he does. <laughs> Having his dream about his clan all gathered mm-hmm. around a fire and his dad stands and points into the woods and then he wakes up and this is a common dream he's had this, this is a, a recurring bunch of dream, times yeah. yeah like possibly his only dream i think from the way that justin worded it mm. so i i am curious what your interpretation of this was because i think there's two directions you can go with it that either it's some kind of like a warning of like there's something out there you know, that, that, I don't know, either you need to investigate or that's coming for you in your safe place, or is this potentially his expulsion from his clan in the first place? That's where I took it was, it was kind of like his dad saying, and you get out. Yeah. Which is devastating. Yeah. It's definitely, um, he doesn't, he doesn't know what happens after he leaves the fire, I think mm-hmm. is, is for sure, regardless of, of what the cause was or what exactly the pointing was, was supposed to signify. He doesn't yeah. know what's supposed to happen next, which seems to be in fact what he doesn't know in waking life. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. He's getting I, there. Yeah. I do like the idea though, that it might be a little bit more, uh, more like a duck premonition that yeah, he's pointing out into the yeah. woods. Like there's the problem. This is what we need to look out for. Everybody keep each other safe and keep your eyes open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say. Like, I think I'm I'm curious to see whether this has any uh, further meaning further down the line. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's certainly possible that it doesn't, that it was just sort of what came to him on the spot of Uh what this person would be thinking about. But it does seem it seems more symbolic maybe than the others. Yeah, I would say. I agree. Yeah. Um, and I like the idea that Travis is the one that asked, asked them about these. And I assume it's just yeah. kind of jotting them down like, ooh, this could come up later. And maybe this will be another plot point And this can pull off of this. So, yeah. Excited to see where this could go. But for now, they're going to be interrupted by their sleep and their <laughs> descriptions by this knocking on the door. This is probably my favorite scene <laughs> in the entire history of Taz now the idea that immediately Fitzroy sends (laughs) Snippers just shouts out like Snippers attack and of course the crab is just and again it's been about 22 months (laughs) I know I had a list of my favorite characters and Furbog was on top Snippers is now right under that they're very close I mean it's it's a neck-to-neck challenge at this point I am so enamored with this little crab, and I do not think I'm alone. Yeah, I think from his introduction, I was immediately like, this is the thing that the fandom is going to love. Yes, this we is shall this. rally I just, I know, around. He is I know the baby enough. Yoda of this situation. Yeah, this is how we're all wired. We just really, <laughs> we, we love a mascot character. Oh, we so we will good. seize upon that. <laughs> what a good one. Playing this tapping game with whatever is on the other side of the door and they're they're both having a great time, and the furbolg is not having a great time. Yeah, demands them like just come in, and they can't because because it turns out that it is in fact a skeleton of a squirrel, <laughs> or possibly a rat because they really wouldn't be able to tell. And I disagree. <laughs> I looked up squirrel squirrel. Okay, that's a terrible combo of words. Squirrel skeleton. Travis. Blech. The skeleton of a squirrel looks very squirrel-esque. I don't disagree with Justin on many things. I disagree Hmm. with him on this. I would definitely, in all of my worldly and animal wisdom, be able to see a skeleton squirrel and be like, oh, it's a squirrel. (laughs) And a rat looks more like like it's on the ground. I mean, maybe if you moved the skeleton around? I don't know. I just thought it looked very squirrel-esque. Barring actual necromancy, I guess we'll, we'll never have an answer to whether or not we can correctly identify the rodentious species that has awoken us to give us a message. <laughs> Damn it. My life is empty. But it does bring us a message of a request for Sir Fitzroy Maplecorp to join the Lady Rainier. 
I feel like they had her full name and it was beautiful. And yeah. I did not write it down. To breakfast. And of course, his friends can come. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was I was stressed out by the situation a little bit because how do you know how much you should tip a squirrel skeleton that has brought you this message? That This seems like a... This is a really difficult etiquette question that I yeah. would not have had the answer to. And it's a new situation. You've never yeah. been. Yeah. And, oh, and, and, and like Fitzroy said, where is it? What is it going to do with the berry? It can't eat it. <laughs> it's just going to put it in its cavity. Hope. Well, I mean, I can tell you, we have a lot of squirrels in our yard and mm-hmm. they have more nuts than they know what to do with because it's very warm here in Florida and they don't really have to worry about winter. So basically, they just spend all of their time mostly just like, yeah, they just they look around for specific. They'll dig up a nut. They'll bury it somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. there are there are so many nuts they do not need to either dig up or bury nuts, but they do anyway, because that's what they do. So I assume that the skeletal squirrel there somewhere they have been. They have been secret as well, squirreling away. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Little little nuts and berries. Yeah, they've just, you know, they're they're still doing what they do, I assume. Mm -hmm. I really hope that this particular squirrel skeleton does have like a little cash. It's like, and this is what I got when I delivered that message. And this is the yeah. that so-and-so gave me because I helped them get something down from a shelf. They knocked it down <laughs> with their tail. It's great. The most handy of skeletal animals, the squirrel. Yeah. Who knew? You got you to bond with your helpers. That's why Snippers also gets a berry. That's true. It's very important. And he does such a good job taking a memo. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will say that the there's always this sort of running thing about how people can't tell the McElroy's voices apart, and I never really had trouble with that. Uh-huh. I did briefly have trouble telling who was making the crab noises. Who was? Because so, I assumed I, it was Travis, but no, I'm I'm ninety eight percent sure that it was Justin. And but that, I had two percent uncertainty is yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Justin. <laughs> it sounds a lot like his Donald Duck, is what I would say. <laughs> A less terrifying oh, version of his Donald Duck. And say, don't bring us back to that hellscape. <laughs> I feel like I just escaped it. Oh god. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that it was Justin. But yeah, apparently that the crab noises is the one time that it becomes difficult for me to discern which McElroy is speaking, um, which I guess is <laughs> it's something. So he, but you know, I mean, Snippers was was willing. He was willing to to take dictation even if he had no means to to do anything i assume he was like following the motion he'd seen it enough he's like oh okay and then he finally looks over and yeah no pen no paper no quill nothing but he's still proud of himself (laughs) well renero it's a lot of trouble right to to send this invitation because it seems like she could have just waited for them to come to breakfast and been like hey i saved you a seat so (laughs) So now I'm starting to wonder, like, I don't know, she's she a little into fits, maybe? Maybe. Like a little something blossoming there, maybe? Don't want to push that on her, but it does seem like this might be early overtures, sort of making fun of somebody, <laughs> but also really going out of your oh. way to make fun of them. Seems like yeah. a little bit of flirting. A little, a little uh, pigtail pulling, if you will. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But they are they are going to go, which is a good sign because Fitzroy is is settling in at least enough that he's not he's not going to blow off this invitation. Yes, he's being better about accepting where he is and who he's with, Mm -hmm. which is excellent. Well, and then they get to breakfast and okay, okay, you know, (laughs) I can see this because not only did she invite him to breakfast to sit with her, she also presents him with the most beautiful crepe. Yeah, she's gone out of her way to make Truly. sure. Truly. Well, I mean, she went out of her way to ask someone else to go out of their way to make it, but still. <laughs> that sounds the, right. The, the important thing is the sentiment. <laughs> that there was effort. This wasn't just something she picked up on her way. There was a yeah. lot of thought and preparation. Yeah, and she's checking in on how he's settling in. There's definitely, mm-hmm. there is at the very least a significant amount of, of friendly concern here for That's, this for this person. Mm-hmm. All right, putting it on the murder board, a little question mark with the heart <laughs> next to it, maybe. See where this goes. Yeah, and unfortunately, in the course of being concerned about him, this is how we uncover that poor Fitz. Oh, my God. Poor Fitz, he has gotten himself this... into a scam. It's just an the obvious most scam. devastating. Oh, 
This is the fantasy Nigerian prince uh, situation <laughs> that he is. He strongly believes himself to be a knight of a kingdom that no one knows where it is because it's so secret that no one can know. And I, he's been mailing them oh. potentially more gold than he has even mentioned mm. in order to get the certificate to say that he is a knight of their kingdom. I want to see these memos, too, that he's gotten with these letters and just see how yeah. how uh, how's the grammar <laughs> Where's their capitalizing? Like, you know, how's it looking? Because that's yeah. that's a big tell. Yeah, being scammed or not. Poor guy. Uh. <laughs> so sure of himself, and yet not really yeah. very good at being sure what that's supposed to mean. Well, and now it makes sense that he is just very insistent on people calling him sir, because he really yes. thinks like he really yeah believes this. totally yeah. like I am a knight. I sent them my money. I got this. <laughs> certificate saying so why why are you looking at me like that and you're just like oh god yeah you know it's a really obvious scam when the fur bulk figures it out holy crap <laughs> i mean not not that he's stupid because even though he has fashioned himself a dunce cap he's, i do not think he's an idiot he's he is just, just coming worldly. no he's just coming from oh. a very different cultural experience and he is struggling to deal with that but you know, even someone who is basically completely incapable of lying or understanding the concept of deception knows when someone else is being tricked. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it is not not the the cleverest lie that he's that poor Fitzroy has 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 fallen into. Fallen hook, line, and sinker. I also poor love the boy. mental image of of him and Argo climbing the under the table. <laughs> So, Which of course doesn't work. Right. You can't be subtle about it with <laughs> with our beautiful Furbolg being probably the size and width of the table. Yeah. Just, and I, I, I will credit this to potentially having been inspired by uh, a running gag in Hello from the Magic Tavern, which is also about climbing under the table to whisper when you don't want people <laughs> to hear you. <laughs> it's a solid plan. It is a solid plan. It doesn't to, really work. Need, <laughs> it never I works. I need to employ this more when I'm out to dinner with people. Be like, hold on, I need to talk to you. Let's go under the table. <laughs> I don't want anyone else to hear. I also don't want them to know I'm talking to you. So let's just slip yeah, under real quick. It's very, it's very subtle. Well, I mean, you know, maybe oh. if you both said, oh, I dropped my phone. But in a fantasy universe, you've got <laughs> I fewer dropped excuses. My phone. I'll help you. I've dropped my lime. I need help. It's rolled it under is. the table. That was it. <laughs> my breakfast lime. God. Oh. But before they can completely burst Fitz's bubble, <laughs> Gary has a very timely interruption. <laughs> Just that that bubble needs to be burst. Oh. No, they got it. It oh. has to happen at a, at a more dramatic later date, I think. Fair. Uh, I also think that this is going to be a real hard shell to crack on his delusion. That's very true. This is like a core belief for him. I don't know. He's not going to take it well when he finds out for sure. I know. They better have like crepes on hand. Oh, yeah. This is the last thing that he's sort of clinging on to. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Bar all the doors and windows. Don't let him jump. Our sweet Fitzroy. Yeah. yeah. But but they, for now, have, have other things to do and other things to worry about because it is their turn in the test tavern. Woo! And then it will be their turn in the test dungeon. Very exciting. Wow. This is a big day. This must it's be a, a Friday. Day. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like all the best stuff happens on Friday. And I think, like, you'd be super excited for test tavern time. Yeah. Well, then this is also Fitz's last attention, so it oh, may yeah. well be a Friday. Makes sense. Calling it. It's a Friday. So, yeah, with uh, Gary, our lovely Gary, <laughs> sending them out. <laughs> Do they just get called out individually? Like, is that part of Gary's duties, reminding them of their schedule? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a little bit like a personal assistant in that mm -hmm. way. I, I almost referenced the Palm Pilot, which is like way <laughs> that is not he's it's more of a Siri situation, I assume. <laughs> Siri, remind me of all of my appointments. Thank oh you. no, we've just said that we've we've just set someone's phone oh, off, probably. Sorry. And he's telling them all their appointments. But they forgot that they had to do that thing at two. So yeah. hey, you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's mostly obviously it, it is a it is a convenient plot device to move <laughs> them from one scene to another. But it is also very effective. And I do think it makes sense in the world that there might be 
um, you know, a way. It's a small school, too. So this is a good way to kind of keep track of who's supposed to go where, when. And if you've ever been in a small class environment where they kind of break people into teams, it is not uncommon for a teacher to say something like, "Okay, now this is what you guys are going to be doing and that's what you guys Mm -hmm. are going to be doing. And they are off to the test tavern. Um, right after breakfast. Yeah, right after breakfast. Uh, but I guess they're not there to drink. They're there to learn. But hold on. Please let us not breeze past Griffin giving us the best, worst. I don't even know what to call it. Just mouth sounds as he just, as Fitzroy gobbles. And I hate that word, too. <laughs> just absolutely snarfs up his crepe i was just like oh my <laughs> well he knows he would have gotten tweets if and, and that's why he left had he not because, done it Ooh. yeah if he had not if he had not finished the crepe people would have been very distraught about mm-hmm. the, the condition of this fantasy crepe that he had abandoned that is so fair it was important and and to show how enthusiastically <laughs> yes he was taking it down yes all right Whew. okay we made it past now we're in the test tavern yay Yes, with their 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 assigned hero Rhodes, who's mm-hmm. going to be doing this test with them, with their teacher Dakota, who at the moment is nowhere in sight, and all we see is a body slumped over the bar. Yeah, well, somebody, a person, body, body implies dead. I think. I mean, <laughs> and it's unclear, well, and, and that's the point. They don't know. They're like, are they asleep? Are they dead? Are they drunk? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, I, I, I very much enjoyed Justin's loud proclamation, uh, stand back, everyone, I'm rolling dice. That was very, <laughs> I really want that on a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> I think that that's the <laughs> quintessential, like, he's the first one who thought, wait, I should roll some dice and do an right? investigation check, which, of course, his character is not going to be oh, stellar at. Oh, goodness. <laughs> not only did he not have... I can't remember what his number was for the uh, modification, but he rolled a three. Yeah. Always a little devastating, especially when you are like, ooh, I can roll for this. I can figure shit. Nope. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> especially on like investigation or perception or anything, mm-hmm. because it, it, it somehow it's worse because it's like if it's an attack, you you miss. But in those kinds of settings, it's like there is a giant moose standing over there and you literally right. don't see it. Yeah. It's 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 especially embarrassing as a failure. Mm-hmm. And you always take it as like, yeah, you have no idea. You can't see anything. <laughs> You've never had a thought in your life. Good luck, little buddy. Here's a 20. <laughs> you get distracted by something completely inconsequential and forget what you were doing. Who knows? But but they do ultimately figure it out. And it is Jermaine, the skele- one of the skeletons from, yeah. the, from the test dungeon who was just messing with them. As skeletons tend to do. Yeah. They have such a good time with it. Well, I mean, you know, if you're going to be an, I guess, immortal, like, reanimated skeleton of yourself, you might as well have fun with it, you know? I mean, amen. (laughs) Should I ever end up in that situation, you know I'm going to have a blast. (laughs) The comedy potential alone. I mean, you've just got to... Pulling goofs left and right. It's just going to be so much fun. I can't wait to be part of a skeleton crew. But Dakota, their teacher, was just hiding behind the bar, which was, I guess, a little anticlimactic <laughs> as a trick. But I really hope when they revealed themselves that they rose as if they were in an elevator, like that, <laughs> or, or or like coming upstairs. Maybe that you know, one like too. the kind of mind Maybe thing where it looks like you're coming upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, wait, wait, wait. Does it look like I'm going downstairs now? Hold on, hold on. Beep. <laughs> they they run through the whole gamut, and the kids just have to be like. Uh, yes. No. Yes. <laughs> that one. That's the one. Yes. But now it is time for them to start their class. And Dakota gives them three tasks which they have to complete in order to practice their social skills and investigation skills and their stealth skills. All the things that they're going to need when they are in a real world tavern trying mm-hmm. to find a job or find a person or Just find some money. prevent a kidnapping or whatever else they do. So their three tasks are they need to find a map to a treasure-filled cave, they need to find out how they can sneak into a castle, and they need to find a fence for some stolen goods. But the twist is, one or more of the people in the tavern may be undercover city watch. This sounds like the best game ever. It does. It it sounds like a really good deception game. Like, if they mm-hmm. wanted to make, you know, like a really obscure 
Taz tabletop spinoff in addition to the one that they're already doing. This <laughs> this would be a fun, like, I, this would be a really good deception game. Like, they mm-hmm. reference Spy Party uh, later on when they're talking about it. And if you have not seen um, the Polygon video of, of Justin and Griffin playing Spy Party, it's very funny and you should watch it. Uh, but, yeah, I, this is a deception game. Seems like it would be a lot of fun. Because it's a little bit werewolf, but not quite. It's kind of, it's a little bit more... I think I think you could. This is would be a good dynamic to play with. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, but but the tech here is much fancier because they have a magic holodeck. How? Where are we? What what <laughs> realm is this? Well, I mean, the tavern is essentially the danger room. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because it you know like there are all kinds of illusion spells that you can cast. So I why wouldn't guess. you be able to kind of? do these NPCs like I think it would obviously take somebody with a lot of magic but it does make sense that it might be feasible mm-hmm. that you could do this maybe and it's not they had like the top wizard at the time enchant the lever yeah well they say uh Travis says that there are runes carved into oh. I believe the the ceiling like the the posts in the ceiling and that they activate that they start glowing so I, there's somehow the room itself the magic is like it's not a spell that they're casting. The spell is the magic is already there, mm-hmm. and they just have to activate it's imbued. it. Imbued, yeah. So I skipped all the way past that because I was more <laughs> worried about getting narked and trying to figure out what offense was. I had no idea. <laughs> I was a furbolg in this situation. You did. You also did not know what offense. Was? I had zero clue. Oh no! I wonder how many people didn't had not heard that term, had not watched enough like. Raise your random hand. Random crime shows or something to, no know, to know what offense is. <laughs> it's literally, well, because I went back and forth with like, okay, uh, uh, is he saying offense? Like O-F-F? E-N-S-C? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no? Is is it a actual fence? And then when the furball was talking, I was like, well, is he trying to buy a fence? <laughs> it was, it was oh, a wild no. ride from start oh, to no. finish until I remembered, yeah. oh, I have Google. what is the fence and then of course later they do explain exactly what it is i was like i yeah i was furbolging it for a good bit there (laughs) oh no we were one in the same oh dear that's all right i mean you know this is this is a this is not a thing that you should be embarrassed to not know because it is of course quite illegal (laughs) that's yeah see i'm just such a good good person i would never even think to be (laughs) You know, the selling and procuring of stolen goods. Not once. <laughs> I just watched uh, too many seasons of White Collar, probably. But... <laughs> See, I was I was a leverage girl myself, so. Mm. I know about grifting. Know all about that. But yeah, I, I think in the same way that you might not well have been suited to understand what the question was, unfortunately, our, our Fearbulk is also not very qualified to figure out how to investigate this problem because his first thought is, why don't we just ask if people are city watch? <laughs> I do like the thought that he was just like, this is not a game. Like, you just walk up and say, yeah, are you, you just, city watch? Why wouldn't you Duh. just, you know, get past all of the pretense and the nonsense and, mm-hmm. and just cut straight to the truth? And our sweet Argo... It's just like, oh yeah, that's a, yeah. Like I think it was Argo. I might, it might be. Fitzgerald. Yeah, it was Argo. Okay, saying like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Pretend like you need help. He's like, no, I'm not. I'll not pretend. I can't do that. Yeah, because furbolgs don't have the concept of lying. It's not a part of their culture. Why would they ever need it? So it never crosses furbolgs' mind that like I need to pretend. I need to deceive. Yeah, it's not going to do it. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy. But but they are both saved from what I think would have been just this deadlock of both of them trying to explain <laughs> a concept that the other one couldn't understand from Fitz, who decides that he's just going to take out all of his bling and try just walking around. Does he just carry it with him in a satchel? Yeah, that think? was my question. I think I think it does make sense. Like, if he comes from money... Well, I mean, see, these two things are contradictory because he's being smart about one, money in one sense and being very stupid about it in another. But I was I was thinking maybe he has these possessions that he has brought with him and he doesn't want to leave them in the dorm because that doesn't oh. seem safe. So he has, in mm-hmm. fact, hidden them on himself instead. So that, that they're always sense. with him. Yes. Maybe he just has maybe maybe he got a bag of holding <laughs> from his great grandmama. And 
just has it with him. And so that's where he's like, you know, all all of my best brooches and necklaces yeah. and whatnot, they stay here with me where it's <laughs> safest, clearly. And then it he did, has them whenever he needs them. Yeah. It did it did make me sort of pine for a live show for this specifically and, and just have Griffin and as many rhinestone brooches as possible. <laughs> Just blinding everyone in the audience yes. because of the stage lights. Oh, it's going to be good. <laughs> he deserves to be that fabulous for once. I think it has to happen now. Griffin? Griffin, take a note. Even if he's not playing Fitzroy, he can still do it. There's yeah. nothing keeping him from this reality. This is true. This is true. Griffin. But it, it does kind of maybe sort of work a little bit, but not really quite as much as they need to. So Argo tries using stealth to like overhear people talking which is a simpler solution i would say Mm -hmm. like to try to pinpoint i feel like it was the one thing travis expected them to do yeah i would yeah i think so i mean that does seem like the the first thing you might think of in a you know if you're presented with a a restaurant or a tavern Mm -hmm. or something like that that Mm -hmm. the best way to gain information quickly would be to simply listen to the conversations people are already having right instead of trying to start a new one but right but so Argo, I mean, in part, though, he does get very lucky because he has some really good roles, which are partly related to his stats being very good. But but he immediately finds the person who can get him into the castle, which is somebody who's like their janitor, their their cleaning, their housekeeper sort of person who does <laughs> all the cleaning. Cleaner. Yeah. Although he immediately like kind of almost borks it except for his good roles with this whole thing about like oh i'm gonna compliment their cleaning and then travis tries to call him out on it and and the thing that he went to to try to explain which room he had been in was 7c which i again clint just he's he just keeps zagging i don't know another level i think that's the problem clint's brain works at a higher tier than the rest Mm. of us so he's like yeah 28 steps above and we're still like you know climbing three and we're like oh it's gonna be great and he's like but i'm already up here yeah yeah because he had to go for that pun he couldn't resist the pun he's a dad he's a dad (laughs) through and through but you know i mean he does pull it out because i think even though it it is surprising that it manages to work this concept of oh i'm a i'm a secret hotel reviewer So I need access to the to the royal family's chambers. <laughs> Undercover bossing, essentially. It just yeah, yeah. You have to get me in there, so I because I want to give you a good review. He's flirting hard. But regardless of the methodology and whether or not it would work on actual people in the actual real world, it does work in this scenario, and they have completed this their first task. Loves it. Oh my gosh, I totally thought it was an arc. I was like, that's gotta be one of the castle guards. But maybe. Yeah. I thought about that, too. But I think it would have been laying a trap like that to just to get them to fall into it would have been kind of pointless because this is early in the game. And it is also like early in their education inside of mm-hmm. the game. And just trying to trick somebody like that would have been kind of petty and silly. Like, I think it wouldn't have been it would not have helped them. As right. much as is presenting them with something more straightforward and, and just seeing how they solve it. That's fair. But now that they have one task down, it's somebody else's turn to have a go. And for some reason, uh, Justin, as the furball, decides that he's going to be the one to find the fence. Um, even though, as we learn immediately, he does not understand what that is. Just as you did not. <laughs> and thinks I that think they... Is- brilliant and he is asking people questions thinking that it is a structure which you use to like keep your sheep in exactly as opposed to which i will argue something else that is a fence he's correct it is a fence he's not wrong it is true he is not wrong uh he's just wrong in this scenario (laughs) gosh justin's having the best time right now Because I have to assume Justin McElroy knows exactly what offense is mm-hmm. in this situation, but also is playing to the character and being like, this dude has no clue what's happening. Yeah. But does understand, like, I know what offense is. Ooh, I got this one, friends. No worries. Yeah. Justin seems to really like playing characters with one very stubborn personality trait that that sort of sabotages a lot of the things that he's trying to do. 
Yes. But to great comedic effect. So yes. I, that's an interesting thing about the way that he chooses to create characters, because I'm not sure that very many people would think of that because they would they would set something up like that and then think, oh, wait, this is going to be a terrible problem in the future. Uh-huh. And I should. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. Hard it's going to gonna be hard. It certainly it certainly limits um, some of his options in these scenarios. But but it's also so funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so good. And then pulling the his whole that the Furbolg is going to the accounting classes and pulling in <laughs> now his new business knowledge. <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah. And and it's sort of there's a there's a sort of beautiful simplicity to playing a character who's like that because the strange thing is that this kind of barreling forward on this one path, it does actually work. He doesn't even notice immediately when it works that he's he by talking to the second person and with the understanding that it's about stolen goods and, and that he's then freaked out the person who is the actual fence, <laughs> which is not the way that you anyone else would have would have solved that problem mm-hmm. of like, oh, wait, hey, we're going to we're going to flush this person out just by being so obviously get putting them in, in, in harm's way. <laughs> And potentially getting like yourself arrested by the city watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a wild it is a wild thing to to see unfolding, and it did sound mm-hmm. a little bit like maybe Travis was panicking just a tiny bit, which I would not blame him for. No, not at <laughs> like okay, wait, how are we gonna how are we gonna make this work, and how would these people respond in this situation? Mm-hmm. Again, the zagging. Yeah, like when you zig, when they think you're gonna zag and. DMs everywhere. God bless you. <laughs> I can't. I can't even imagine. Yeah, what's going on in the heads of like, oh shit, they just threw that at me. What do I do? Let's turn it this way. Okay, now. But then, often when that happens, that's when you get these world-changing situations. Like clearly, yeah. this isn't quite it. Maybe. No. But it's it's interesting, and and mm-hmm. you always want it to be interesting because this could have been. A little bit of a road exercise. I mean, it would have been fine, but but having it be not what we as listeners expected and also potentially not what Travis as a DM expected, uh-huh. um, it makes it a lot more fun to hear for yes. sure. Absolutely. And yeah, like you said, we do find out that despite his frustration with these accounting classes... He's learning. He Aww. is learning. He is taking in this information and he's understanding it in the way that it makes sense in his universe instead of, you know, just sort of trying to be a square peg in a round hole. Yes. I'm and no surprise here. I'm so enamored with the Furbolg. <laughs> he's just the best. Yeah, I think everybody loves him a great deal and did mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. Justin is is very good at those characters that you're just like, "Nope, this is mine now. I will yep. protect it with my life." Yep. <laughs> I want to see it grow up healthy and strong. <laughs> it will be good. And he has succeeded. They have this, so now yes. they have two of three tasks down. <laughs> so proud. Uh, and then we've got Fitzroy, mm-hmm. who is bedecked and bedazzled, and just a shining beacon in the world. Yeah. And decides to use Rhodes to help convince all the tavern goers that um, a little, a little sneakery on their part that he's already cleaned out the cave. Which, again, is an atypical strategy, I would think. I'm not sure how many players would have said, yes, this is the way <laughs> to mm-hmm. say that we have already gotten into this secret cave is the way to get into this secret cave. That it's so That's galaxy-brained right there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I never... At first, and I feel like it took me a couple listens to be like, wait, what are the... What is the method here? What are they actually trying to pull? And then be like, oh, my gosh. Because I think it was at the start when he was like, I'm just going to put on all, all my jewels. Yeah. Just to get attention, just to see who looks. And now he's got it on. He's like, oh, OK, I know what we're going to do here. Mm-hmm. Boom. Really mess with their heads. Yeah. Although the second part of his strategy here, when he has figured out who has the map by who's distressed of <laughs> the, the most the most McElroy strategy possible <laughs> That that he's using a bathroom emergency as an excuse yep. why he needs this map because he needs it as toilet paper. We can't get out without making some kind of toilet humor. Thank you, thank you, Griffin. You finished my bingo card. They know they know their brand, and we know their brand, and we're all in this together at this point. 
<laughs> and it doesn't work. He he it doesn't. It's the no. one thing he needs, and he's like, "Oh no, I don't think so." But what if you trade me your brooches? Yeah, brooches. I'm not saying that word right. I think either either pronunciation is acceptable. Okay, we'll go with it. And it turns into as so many things do an arm wrestling competition. <laughs> hey, that's how you solve a problem that you don't know how to solve. I agree. I'm surprised we don't see it more. Like, I feel like there should be just tables set up, uh, you know, interspersed in cities and rural areas where two people can meet and have their arm wrestling just to solve those disputes that you're not quite sure how to solve otherwise. Yeah. I, I mean, I think some people might argue that rock, paper, scissors is more egalitarian, but because yeah. it's not purely, uh, not purely strength based, but yes, well, yeah. And unfortunately, poor Fitzroy does not have the strength of an illusion. <laughs> poor, and he's a barbarian, the poor guy. That's what was so... <laughs> oh, jeez. I would blame the, the brooches. All, all of his finery just laid him down. <laughs> he was at a severe disadvantage. Yeah. And so he loses all of his pins. But his original <laughs> no, no, strategy... No, <laughs> what? Now I only see him wearing a bunch of enamel pins, and those are his brooches, and he just lost them all, and it's just... Yeah, his oh. pin collection. I mean, this is certainly the fantasy equivalent of his enamel pin collection. It's so true. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Oh, Fitzroy. And he is devastated. He is. But he hasn't He hasn't failed completely because... His his strategic bathroom emergency seemed so convincing <laughs> that the NPC is willing to voluntarily give up the map just, oh my God. just for his toilet experience. This has to be on baby mode, right? <laughs> like, we're on easy easiest challenge level possible. Yeah. They are well, only I'm, level you know, one, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. They, they gotta make it. And it's supposed to be educational. You know, they get their asses handed to them. They're not... Are they really gonna learn anything other than just just disappointment. <laughs> Disappointment's such a harsh teacher. <laughs> but they have now succeeded. They have. Against all odds. They have succeeded in completing uh, all three tasks. And Dakota, unfortunately, immediately points out. He's got notes. Why did you choose? Why did you choose the things that were least suited to your strengths? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, why did you not strategize? I did enjoy the argument that Fitzroy gives mm. that. You know, but we're here to learn. If I'm always going with what I'm strongest at, I'm never going to get better at the other things. Yeah. Which is valid. But also, you know, he just doesn't like being wrong. He doesn't like being scolded. Oh, no, he does not. Definitely. He is He is always going to talk back in the situations mm-hmm. where he knows he's not supposed to. <laughs> I, I would both love and hate to be his teacher. It would be the most entertaining <laughs> and exhausting thing in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine it would be. Oh, Heart goes out to his teachers everywhere at night. Cla- Claude, Clyde, Clyde, night, night, Clyde, Clyde, night's night, night school. I can't do it. <laughs> you know, you can't Clyde overthink school, it. You just have school to school for nights. Uh, and now here, <laughs> but I mean, all I deserve medals. Dakota has a valid point here, which is that maybe the most important thing that they should have been learning was how to collaborate with each other. Yes. And that is definitely going to be a problem in the field if they if they kind of keep going their own directions. I mean, they, they sort of accidentally collaborated, but they didn't they didn't coordinate their approach to this problem, which, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is like doing an escape room, right? Like you definitely want to have those conversations like you can all yeah. go off in a different direction. But if you have some idea coming in, who's good at what and how you're going to break up the tasks, you're definitely going to do better. Yes. So they they completed it, but maybe they completed it a little bit messier than they could have. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, they're still learning, and they are unfortunately, again, I, mode. I I do think that the first the first like quotable from graduation uh, has has clearly now become this is a great shame. <laughs> <laughs> good. I don't know if that's what they want in their first piece of uh, like like some of their merchandise. <laughs> Um, that's what they want to carry forward, but it is definitely, of course, Justin has, has brought out the first catchy catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs) Literally no surprise there, which is not to say everyone isn't absolutely killing it. Yes, of course. But, but it's, you know, he's good at that. The stuff you can put on a t-shirt, he's very good at. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then after lunch, we've got the other best class in the world after accounting, of course. 
Yes, the test dungeon. We are now on to the test dungeon. Since we're still we're still waiting for Argo to discover the concept of a sandwich, so uh, <laughs> lunch will be much more exciting after that. Too but far. but for now, the test dungeon where they are paired with another hero. They are now going to be working with Rolandis, uh, and they have to fight the skeleton crew: Jermaine, Victoria, and Rattles. All right, can we talk for a second about these heroes? Do you think mm-hmm. is this part of their curriculum, or is this like extra credit? Uh, this is definitely part of their curriculum. I okay. think. Yeah, I think I think it must be. I think this is sort of like, I don't know. Did you have any requirements where you had to do sort of mentorship stuff with younger students? I think it's kind of like no, that. No, I did have to do student teaching. Yeah, well, so so it's kind of like that. It. I think yeah, a little a little bit like that. Yeah, I had some stuff where, you know, you were paired with a younger student who was like your buddy, and you were kind of Aww. doing some educational things with them. Like you're little. Yeah. If anybody was in uh, a sorority or fraternity. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. So I, I think there's probably some other educational parallels that, that some people may have experienced where you're you're kind of in slightly a mentorship position, but it's also supposed to be educational for you. Because certainly, mm-hmm. like, this is, I mean, this is this is definitely part of their education because they're oh, yeah. going to have sidekicks. So you have to know hench, how to treat people. people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so they need to they need to have some experience not just being in the dungeon by themselves, but what they do in the dungeon when they have other people with them who are, mm-hmm. you know, ostensibly weaker characters, I would assume. Yeah. Um who can either be a help or a hindrance depending yes. on who they are and how yes. you use them. And Rolanda seems a little uh well, I mean, Rhodes was maybe a little bit that way too. I mean, they they do seem like they want to kind of be in the background a little bit and they don't necessarily feel completely on board for this. It's like they know that this isn't really for me. Yeah. That's where I was kind of like, it feels like they're coming in like, this is a favor to you. Yeah. So I'll be here, but I'm not going to be excited about it. I mean, I think that tracks with the sort of people, like, surely, surely there is there is some rivalry here. I mean, oh, we, yeah. we've seen some of that already. I mean, some of the heroes are clearly like, you know, like Buckminster and, and Rainier are more willing to reach across the aisle, so to speak, and, and deal with people from this other school. But there are definitely, there have to be people, both heroes and villains, who look down on the Annex and don't really want to have to do anything with these people. Mm-hmm. Like they know they're going to need them, but they don't necessarily want to have to interact with them that much. Yeah. And of course, from a game mechanic standpoint, because all of these characters are being played by Travis, it makes sense <laughs> that he wants the players to be able to play and not, not yes. be involved Thank too you. much. But uh, yeah, I mean, so it, it does, it is very complimentary, I guess that this is something that they need to do from the game mechanic standpoint, but it also does make sense that these heroes are, maybe a little cool towards them mm-hmm. just not just not totally sold either because of their ego or they don't like them or whatever whatever reason they might have or they think it's a waste of their time i mean rolanda certainly uh-huh. says that he has done this a bunch uh-huh. and he just, he's not really interested in doing it again he's so above it and puts yeah. on such a cool air it almost a part of me is just this is just him but a part of me is also like i feel like he's putting on airs specifically mm. to be like look at me because of course you know what show you're listening to <laughs> who's he flirting with in this group all of them they're amazing maybe <laughs> i don't know we have two beautiful boys and a gorgeous verbalg yeah. how That's how true. do you choose yeah <laughs> well we'll have to spend some more time with him i guess to find and out we more will. about him <laughs> still again trav your voice work for rolanda's love it <laughs> It's so good. Yeah, he's been doing, he is just, it has been very seamless, I think, switching switching between characters to the point that mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about it as much, uh, you know, which is a good sign because I think yeah. that I'm that I'm less aware of the fact that he is doing all these characters. Mm-hmm. So then we start the battle and as, as per, I think, all of our episodes, we're not super great at covering the battles because it's hard, because <laughs> it really is just yeah. like... And a lot of stuff happens and it's not like it's important and it needs to happen, but it's not necessarily integral to the plot. So if we kind of skip through. Yeah. I mean, you know, so we're we're starting it with this in this battle. They're they're maybe better at using their strengths. This is a little more straightforward of figuring out, Okay, this is the kind of character that I'm that I'm playing or the kind of person that I am. And it makes it it's a little more straightforward figuring out what skills you should be using. So Argo starts out immediately 
using some stealth. He uses these ball bearings as a distraction so that he can take cover. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and Fitzroy doesn't hesitate to start using his magic. Um, oh, yeah. he does initially go for a weapon, though. Yeah, yeah. Griffin does get a nice. Was. Yeah, he does get a nice character beat in there of saying, you know, that that he's had to learn to not default to that. I think that's that's what we get from this particular battle is mm-hmm. we get really good kind of character background and insight yeah. on Fitzroy specifically because we've got Argo doing what rogues do mm-hmm. very well. Uh, we've got our beautiful Furbolg using Shillelagh and doing what he do, taking <laughs> out these skeletons front and back, which clearly everything's on baby mode. Yeah, yeah. Which is great again. They are babies. They're just starting <laughs> school. They've only been there two weeks. So, you know, build them up, then tear them down, and then build them up again. <laughs> That's how you teach. This everybody. is very ominous knowing that you you do teach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a great teacher. <laughs> do you lock your kids in dungeons? Is this Not... skeletons? Is this happening? Hold on. <laughs> Let me No, I don't think so. I don't think there's any evidence to the contrary of me saying no. So I'll go with that. No. Well, I was just going to ask really quickly, because you have more experience with D&D than I do. Um, do. Do you use catchphrases when you use spells? Is this a thing that, that is difficult to resist? Or is this a McElroy-specific tendency? I think it is performative. Mm. Uh, like Because normally you're just in your little pot of people. That's true, yeah. And so you just say... I'm casting Thunderbolt. I'm casting this. And then it happens. Uh, I don't think I've ever had to go to that. And I don't think I've played with enough people Mm. that would have. But for sure, like, I totally get it in this sense where you're putting on a show. Yeah. So it can't just be. Or I mean, it could be, but it'd be way less, you know, flashy than saying, what was it that Griffin even said? I, re- I oh, love he's the tried second a couple one different ones. Yeah, now I, don't, now I can't remember them. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm so sorry, Griffin, that I don't remember your catchphrase. <laughs> I did not write it down. I'm sorry. It, you know, he's got to learn to do that, too. He's not used to having catchphrases. That's true. I, I really do want Fitzroy to just be bad at it. Yeah. Because barbarians wouldn't fun. have a catchphrase. They just rage yeah. all yeah. the time. So the idea that he would, like... Maybe pause and think about it because he wants to be good at what he's doing. It's like, oh, this has to be like the best thing. And then yeah. overthinks it to where you get to, how do you feel about these current events? Ah ha ha ha. And zaps them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that would be that would be fun. I think we'll see, we'll see how it goes with the catchphrases in the future. Come on, Griffin. Uh, and then enter... A bear. Yeah. After Fitzroy complains that it's too easy. And Rolandus <laughs> oh, hasn't done anything, to my knowledge. He, no, he, or, I right think he's before done a that. Things. He's just so, so not into it. Yeah, he exploded rattles. That's right. Um, he kind of used overkill oh, poor against poor rattles. But, but yeah, I mean, he was, he was, I think, kind of ready for it to be over. And, mm-hmm. it, but Fitz was like, wait, Rolandus let's dial up the is difficulty. The five year old in the two year old room. Yeah, pretty point. much. Yeah. For anybody who's ever worked in a daycare. Like <laughs> that five year old thinks they are top shit. And yeah. Like they know everything. <laughs> and then the two year olds are just, you know, falling on their faces and being cute. Yeah. And then you bring a bear in. This is how daycare works. <laughs> yeah, I'm becoming increasingly concerned about your teaching style. <laughs> I'm have to fine. Be Trust your children with me. It will be fine. You'll get most of them back. Yeah, and this this bear, it's certainly, if they were promised higher difficulty, they have gotten it because it yep. immediately, Susan Susan the bear immediately does some pretty heavy damage to Fitz and Rolandus, and then uh, Victoria gets in a really good strike against the Furbolg. Mm-hmm. So. Susan's as Susan's go are not playing around. <laughs> Susan wants and to speak to their manager. Yes. <laughs> Susan's had enough of your shit and she is ready to both bite and swipe. So look out. (laughs) But that brings us to Fitzroy being very damaged. And Mm -hmm. this, this is such good play work, character work, 
mm-hmm. just like thought processing where Griffin kind of explains like, okay, because this happened, Fitzroy goes into an unintentional rage because that is where he's always been. Yeah. And the idea that like he shouldn't do this anymore because he's magical, but now it's happening and he can't control it is so good. Yeah. I liked his description as well of this this concept of his rage being this kind of palpable wave of force that's coming mm-hmm. off. Like, it's the full Miyazaki, like, uh, I was actually I was thinking... In, was, I was it, just going to say, I adore that he went yeah. to Kiki's delivery service. Thank Isn't you for being Isn't it in... Um, well, I mean, actually, I guess it's in a lot of the Miyazaki films, you know, the sort of levitating hair thing. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, there's a lot of a fair amount of that in, in Princess Mononoke as well. Yes. Um, yeah, this, that was definitely what I was picturing. That was like, it's this genuinely kind of terrifying thing although what he winds up doing in his rage is throwing his immortal crab <laughs> at the immortal bear <laughs> uh, so true to its name his rage does not necessarily oh. allow him to think clearly strategically <laughs> mm-hmm. he just chucks a crab at a bear now is uh and this is where i don't know if we'll have an answer i mm. think there was something on twitter but i don't recall it this mashup of the barbarian and turned wizard or mm-hmm. magician, I'm not sure exactly what um, he landed on for the class. Is this a homebrew? Is this something that actually exists? Like, I such believe a it is a homebrew. But okay. yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't have enough like deep lore to, to uh-huh. be sure about that. So I don't I don't want to speak as some sort of Dungeons and Dragons expert who knows all of okay. the classes and all of the nitty gritty um, Fair enough. But yeah, I, I think it's at least well, and I, I think I think generally with them because of the nature of the podcast, there's going to be a huge element of homebrew anyway. Oh, definitely. That there's not a lot of hang on. I need to flip to page two hundred and seventy six and just read up mm-hmm. on this really quickly. Um, you know, I, I think that they they need to keep it a little fast and loose and a little bit customized for their play mm-hmm. styles. So I, I definitely think that. There may be some details about this that they're still figuring out and that they don't necessarily have a guidebook to pull from for it. Okay. And the only reason I ask is because he did go so detailed into what happens and why that I did wonder if it was either something written out for him or just something he had come up with and knew that this is where this is going. I mean, his and answer, I love that. his game mechanic answer to rage, I think, was was standard barbarian rage. It was just customized in its expression for him. But then that was giving Best. them the mechanic of how that was going to affect roles and, and behaviors. Okay. I love it. Uh, this is a little background on me. My absolute favorite character I've ever played was a bugbear paladin. Mm-hmm. And I chose that specifically because they were two such opposing forces. I was like, this will be interesting. Yeah. And... One of my favorite mechanics that I threw in there was I would roll a 20 anytime treasure was involved. Mm-hmm. And if I rolled a 10 or under, he would like fight everybody and anybody to get it. Yeah. And then 11 and up was he he was fine. Like he mm-hmm. wouldn't care about it. But it was so fun to play every time the treasure would show up. My DM would look at me. He was like, okay, time to roll. <laughs> and we would see if I was going to go essentially into a rage or be yeah. like, it's cool. Yeah, I love I love mechanics like the sort of temptation mechanic with mm-hmm. characters where you where you have some sort of, of character flaw. Like, I mean, not, it's not necessarily fundamentally a flaw, but the idea of having something about them that there's some force that they can't resist that you have to deal right. with in gameplay. I think that's super fun. It's so fun. I think it's fun for the player, for the DM, for everybody else involved. Yeah. When you, there's something just new kind of thrown in that, oh, now we get to deal with this, too. And it's not an enemy. It's your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, Dandy's so great, you guys. <laughs> I, l- I love the unpredictable. I think that this this still managed to be, even though they were more using their strengths, it was still a relatively unpredictable fight. Because... Mm-hmm. Um, oh, like throwing a crab at a bear? Yeah, like throwing a crab <laughs> at a bear. Well, and then, I mean, even, even um, like, Rolandus stops to heal them so that they don't die, but then runs away. And then books it. Yeah, that's... it's just like, okay, this is your problem now. I thought I thought that was a really interesting <laughs> that's character such a move. Bad pa- He's a paladin, right? 
Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay, I was going to say, that's such a, a good bad paladin. Like, I'll yeah. heal you, and now peace out. Have fun. <laughs> I got to be over here. Yeah, I thought that was fun. I don't want to fight a bear. I think that um, this battle would have been less interesting if... And I, I understand, like, the, the story concept of that they're supposed to be working for somebody else, but it would have been simpler for Travis as a DM to have it just be the player characters um, against, mm-hmm. these, against these NPCs and not to have a hero on their side. And I, I think it was much more interesting dramatically to have him there uh, because yes. it added this this additional element of like well what is this character going to do and um, mm-hmm. and how is that going to affect what they choose to do which in this case is Argo using a really standard uh, rogue move which is jumping on a bear and trying to use a slingshot <laughs> as a bridle uh... <laughs> oh the idea of a water ganasi <laughs> jumping on a bear's back and and Travis zagging on him, and he rolls yeah. wonderfully. He's like, oh, actually, that's going to be your acrobatic roll. Yeah. Now roll for animal handling. Yeah, and I think that was goodness. that was fair. I think that was fair. I think you that should have been two moves. That was mm-hmm. two. That was two separate. No, totally concepts. agree. I, I I back I back Travis on that. Yeah. and nobody argued, and it was great. <laughs> Literal animal because it still worked. <laughs> he still was able to expose that soft, yes. very fuzzy underbelly of Susan. Yeah. <laughs> and and it that ended it pretty quickly. Yeah. And Argo does fall back on an old skill of he grabs one of the rusty beat up skeleton swords swords and he that's what he uses to finish off the bear. Mm-hmm. Wait, did you say Argo or uh Argo does no uh, Yes. Fitzroy. No, Fitz. I You're right. Fitzroy I wrote it, it down. It was okay. Fitz. Yeah. It was Fitz. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> it's still it's early no. days. And no. I did write it down. <laughs> I may have been sewing while I was taking my notes, which is pretty typical, and I can do it with one hand, but then sometimes I do mess up. That's fair. And sometimes she creates little characters that she didn't mean to create. Well, and I goes both ways. I definitely, I definitely think I was distracted in the course of double checking my notes on this point because I had written down immediately below that because they were talking about what happens to Susan afterward and that Susan goes full Pooh Bear and goes back to <laughs> have a smackerel, her best of, life. a smackerel of honey. And I had written down smackerel, smackerel Roy's. Is that anything? <laughs> Which it isn't, <laughs> especially because it's virtually impossible to say. So anyway, that was why I was thrown off. <laughs> I'll smackleroy you. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, I I knew where you were going the second you said it. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad we made that journey. Oh boy, it was all <sighs> worth it. It was, it and it really was all was. worth it for them too, because the Fearbulk defeats Victoria, and they have all leveled up to level three. And then Hieronymus shows up. Yeah, unexpectedly. I was surprised by that. Were you a surprised? A little conveniently. Mm. Yeah, I'm, uh, again, Just checking eyes. in. Is he, like, the manager of a restaurant, like, <laughs> popping in? I How mean, are you I enjoying guess... your spaghetti? <laughs> yeah, essentially. And then, of course, I do remember, like, no, that is what a good principal does. It kind of yeah. goes around and sees how classes are going and what's going on in here. And they do pay attention. Yeah. But... And here's where it's kind of a little, hmm, he's not their principal. Yeah, that's the thing is because he's there in the annex and they are under his brother. And it seems like his level of interest in them is maybe not fully justified by just doing his job. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. I mean, maybe this is totally innocent, but I admit that I am now suddenly a little suspicious of Hieronymus Wiggenstaff. Yes. Not sure if I trust him. As we all should be. Again, keep your eyes. Yeah. Especially on because which we do learn the context for this later, but when when uh when Argo asks him about whether his door is in fact always open, even when he's not there. <laughs> I love that. I, that something about something about that. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Something about him saying my door is always open to you. Like mm-hmm. I'm like but is it like why would it be? Maybe right. I haven't had good principles. I don't know. But this this does, it seems kind of fishy. But it would be different if it were the brother, whose yes. name I can't remember. Because uh, we haven't talked about it in this episode. Uh, Higglemas. That's it. 
I wanted to call him Wigglepuss, and I knew that wasn't right, so I didn't say it. Wigglepuss is their third brother who they ne- definitely <laughs> never speak of. He lives, he lives in the swamp behind the school. Uh, that's, that's what's in the groundskeeper's locked, uh, locked oh, cabin. No. <laughs> their third brother. <laughs> oh, poor Wigglepuss. That's going to be episode four, saving him. Right, right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And he, and he also tells them like, you three stay out of trouble. They definitely will not. That is, that is a hundred percent guarantee. I mean, they were not, they were not going to anyway, but now the fact that he has said that means that they will definitely get never an option. Yeah. And it's, and it is going to somehow involve him for sure. Yes. And in fact it does because we get this little stinger on the episode. Mm -hmm. Which I almost missed. Yeah, it's after the music and everything. I was yeah. like, oh, we're done. And it's tucked in there unexpectedly. Yeah. So word to the wise, don't just flip through to the next episode because you think you're done. You might not be. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get get all the way to the end where they start saying mm-hmm. MaximumFun.org. Don't be like Nell Bailey trying to jump ahead to the next episode of My Hero Academia because she has missed many little vignettes at the end. Oh, no. We found this out as I was going through the whole series of it. She's like, oh, I never saw this. Oh, I never saw this. Oh, dear. Like, oh, wow. Oh, dear. She's seen them all now. Worry not. <laughs> but, yeah, we get this this uh, very mysterious little scene that Argo is is meeting with Jackal in the dark of night. And he has brought him, uh, at his request, some small leather wrap package, which, as far as we can tell from the context of the conversation, he has stolen from Hieronymus Wiggenstaff's office. Now, and that's what we should get, but maybe he took it from somewhere else. Like, because that was my it's very possible. first thought, yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't say, like, 100% that's definitely what happened, but I do mm-hmm. think the fact that, the, certainly from an editing yes, standpoint, yes, yes. that this... This uh, it little after scene, the most sense. Yeah, that it happened right after. For some the only reason, thing is, this episode has been full of zags. That is true. That is. So true. I would not be surprised if they zagged on us once yeah. more. Maybe he stole it from Fitzroy. He didn't, but maybe. <laughs> well, we did. don't. We it's true. We don't know yet, and we should never. We should never be wedded to any theories this early because mm-hmm. it will only end in our disappointment. And as we learned in the tavern, never assume anyone is dead. <laughs> Never assume never they're drunk. Never assume anyone is drunk and never assume they are who they who you think they are. Yes. So never trust anyone <laughs> ever. But I definitely don't trust Euronymous anymore. Fair. I, th- so, yeah, I think steal. we're being... Steal as much as you want from him, Argo. Yeah. I mean, we're certainly being set up to be like, oh, no, we don't trust Jackal and then we don't mm-hmm. trust Argo. But this is... This is ironic, like, it's sort of the way my backwards mind works. Um, no, it has I made me mistrust Hieronymus instead. <laughs> I'm putting this up on the murder board. I'm putting a little heart around Jackal. He's going to be the good guy at the end of the day. Hieronymus. Even if he has oily literal feathers. Literal hero. It's important for birds to have oily feathers. That's that's what keeps it's them It's how they survive. It's true. They need to be oily. Don't mock. Don't, don't <laughs> feather shame him. He's doing what he does. You got this, Jackal. I love you. Also, I love the music right there. Yeah, that was very good music. I liked oh, that as well. Stunning. So Griffin's still doing the music, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And good, he is good, crushing good. it. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Um, and that brings us to our poll. So last time we asked you, what team had your bet to win Fantasy School Dodgeball? And the winners with half of the votes was Rolandus and our Furbolg, which, <laughs> duh. Yeah, It fair. makes all the sense in the world. But, I fair. mean, everyone for sure gave it their best. Mm-hmm. They all got participation trophies. It was great. <laughs> this time, we want to know, what do y'all think was in that fair package? We'll have that poll up over on our Twitter, at Romancing Zone. And we'll see you all back here after detention gets out. Till then, thanks for joining us. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. And this has been Romancing the Zone. Mm